Hey everybody, the con artist here. We're back because we took a break during the spring season. Uh, so we're back to actually talk about all the shows that we watched during the spring, which is pretty exciting. So we have all four of us on, and uh, let me kind of kick everything off, I guess. Uh, so one of the shows I followed yeah, go for it. was called Tsukiga Kire, or So Beautiful Is the Moon, I think is how they translated it or something along that line. Um, so I'm going to call this show my cleansing show because I watched Kuzuno Honkai last season. This was my cleanser, cleanser of a show. So uh, I watched it because it looked like a soft, fluffy, slice of life romance. And you know what, kids? That's exactly what it is. It's a soft and fluffy slice of life. So these these two kids in middle school uh, end up falling in love with each other. And you just basically follow their trials and tribulations as they learn to be a couple. And there's a couple of little tiny love triangles they set up in there that they have to, to get beyond. Now, I think what's really amazing about this show is that it uncovered my cynical, cynical side. Like, that, that part of me that's very cynical. So... You're watching, first of all, these are the most mature middle schoolers you've ever seen in your life. Just the dialogue, the way they handle things. I mean, this is not your typical, like, oh no, I really want to see up her skirt and what pantsuits she's wearing or something stupid. Like, like what you're normally used to in, in a, a romance from an anime. There's a letter in my mailbox. Yeah, like, it's just <laughs> Drama. so Drama! Like, I was, I was sitting there, and like, episode three is where the, the lead hero asks out our... our heroine and i was just like oh my goodness are we are we really taken off on this because you know the first two episodes are like oh i kind of like him i kind of like her stare at each other from afar and it's and then episode three he's just like will you go out with me and i was like this this is so beyond anything i'm used to but the uh <laughs> the the dialogue like i said the dialogue is very mature just the way the whole show is put together there's none of that like oops i walked in on you in the bath or and any of that nonsense um that's all gone. The second thing that makes That's the show refreshing. really neat. I know, it was shocking. It really was shocking. The second thing that makes the show really neat is um, the fact that the hero and the heroine are their own people. Like the, the lead guy, uh, Kotaro, he really likes to write. He's really into uh, the famous Japanese writer, Dazai, Osamu Dazai. So he'll quote a lot of things from Osamu Dazai, and I found myself like looking him up and reading a little bit about him, just because the show keeps talking about him, and, and lead heroine Akane runs track. And, like, they're real people with real lives outside of each other, and it was it was really nice to see two real characters falling in love with each other, as opposed to two real cardboard cutout tropes kind like of having a thing Like each other to each fit other. each other's life, sort of? Yeah, yeah, so that was, that was a nice feature. Um, the third thing, which uh, really gets to my, my cynical nature and how it totally circumvents that, is there's Welcome moments the club, in the show. Sue. I know, right? No, no, no. I can't go your track, man. That's a dark and stormy road. You remember that sequence in Beauty and the Beast where there's like the path that he should obviously take and that horrible dark path that he leads Dan's Philippe like, down? Dan's like, Philip, down the dark path. Yeah, like you <laughs> led Philippe down that path. I am not going down that bad path. The wolves aren't going to eat me yet. So the uh, the last thing anyway was that in the in in the random moments the show has where they do set up some drama with the love triangles, so you've you've got the one guy who likes Akane and this other girl who likes Kotaro, and these moments happen where you know they ask out 
the opposite person and I was I was waiting and I'm sitting there and I'm like oh yeah here's gonna be the drama this massive conflict that she's gonna be like oh I like this one guy but I also like this other guy and vice versa none of that happens it's just smashes that completely and they're hmm. like no I'm just really into my boyfriend and or girlfriend and I was like holy cheese and crackers but the whole time I'm sitting there and I was waiting for there to be this nonsensical BS melodrama and it never happened like it's like the show like, like, knew I was waiting and was just like guess what no no like it's drill hair happen. didn't come out of nowhere and she's like oh my fiance yeah like, you didn't you didn't know about this but like it's totally a thing that I just caught, came up with Exactly. There was no like soap opery plots or soap opery moments where it, it it took this bad turn. And even the the times they did have some melodrama, like with some jealousy and stuff like that, it was all very naturally, organically put in. You're like, yeah, as a middle schooler, you probably don't understand X, Y, and Z. So yeah, that would make you jealous. And then they fight for a little bit, and then it's resolved. Like nothing <gasps> took more than half an episode to resolve. It was shocking how just mature and well put together this show is. Um, it's got really soft palette, gentle music. It's very pretty to look at, except for the crowd scenes. So I think, oh. Brendan, you sat through episode one. Um, I did. Yeah, the, the crowd scenes are... There's no other way to describe this. They're terrible. <laughs> uh, what they did was they used this old school like my first CG thing where like oh, block no. people are just, you know, robotically walking around. It, it looks so bad. And they used it every time they needed a large crowd scene, like in front of the school or by the train station or something. And you're like, no, n no, stop that. No. It looked really bad. It really did. It was, I, I won't say it ruins the show by any means. I mean, Unless you're a stickler for something like that. They're rapid scenes. They they appear for a little bit and then they very rapidly cut to a good scene with our characters. But, oh, they are, they're ugly. And it's unfortunate. I don't know if the show would fix that on a Blu-ray or something. But they're definitely the, you could tell that the creators didn't have much time to put that together. So they were like, well... And go. the CG department is not their strong suit, it seems. No, it's definitely not. It's definitely not their strong suit. So I wouldn't say it detracts from the show, but I'll just end with, uh, it's very cleansing, it's very soothing, it's very fluffy, and I definitely had the whole, like, cinnamon roll thing going on. I was like, I swear to God, show, if anything bad happens to these two adorable children, I will hate you forever. <laughs> and luckily... I won't spoil anything else, but it's just a really pleasant show to watch. Very, very different from a lot of the anime garbage you're used to today, especially romance. And it's it's just trying to tell an adorable story, and it does it really well through great dialogue, good characters, and pretty nice animation. So, well put together show all, all around. I do highly recommend it if you're into something a little soft and... You're in the mood for a romance. It's really adorable. Like, so adorable. Aw, cool. <laughs> Sounds good. It was very good. Huh, nice. Let's so how, uh, how about everybody else? What you guys been following? Yeah, what do you got, Brennan? I followed Alice and Zoroku. Ooh, me too. As did I, for about six episodes. Ah. Uh, you're missing out. Am I? I uh... We'll tell you all about it. 
Take it yeah. away, Brennan. I really enjoyed it. Um, the, uh, let's see. Like the, the first episode, they, uh, they, they really needed to sell this, this story about conflicting government factions and mysterious, uh, powers. Yeah, they really set the and, hook. Right. And they had to do it by putting together a double length episode just so they, they could hit the climax and have everything together for you like uh and not like not spread it out over the course of two episodes because it wouldn't be as uh as complete or impactful and you know what like thumbs up if you have the uh somehow the gumption and the the willingness from your sponsor or whoever to like make your thing with your great creative vision go for it like it worked i will definitely give it to them that first uh episode did feel i mean it felt long because it was but uh there was a lot going on there and it really did set up the scene and I really kind of feel like it would have operated pretty much fine, almost standalone, because it sets up everything we need leading into the rest of the series. Hmm. Well, that's good. Right. Now, now I read the premise of this really quick, and I, I almost followed this. I just got overwhelmed by other things I had to do. Uh, it looked, minus the Moe look of Alice, it looked and sounded very, very Elven lead esque now was it oh, like okay. elven lead oh did it, it have was like very similar okay did it have like well i only made it through episode one of elven lead let me just tell you that because i'm not really into the okay well copious amounts I, of gratuitous violence but was in, it i'm what i'm right, asking that is, didn't happen does it devolve into like super violent sci-fi story no no, no, no it doesn't. that doesn't actually happen okay like it's, it's, the, it's like the, pleasantly the framework the, the framework of the first episode is very similar to elven lead but uh yeah it's yeah like like scott says it's uh it goes in a very different direction after that yeah like there's certainly like threatened violence in some pretty intense scenes but like there's no gore and nobody gets murdered like that isn't really the kind of show that it is so is it like a two-part episode that's almost elven lead and then it turns into k-on is that it's, what you're saying it, it, is? it never devolves into moe nonsense at any point uh, like okay. it's a pretty solidly grounded show uh, I mean, except when it's being fantastical, which is kind of its deal when you get to, like, Alice using her crazy powers. Uh, Sana. Sana. Sana, I'm sorry. Sana using her crazy powers. which her, her, The powers they are say... called Dreams of Alice, I think. So that's kind yeah. of where the the name comes from. It's a well-mined um, uh, public domain property. Very true. And they, and they used it, thankfully, sparingly. Like... There's a place called Wonderland. Sure, there's a rabbit with a clock. It doesn't get overused for most of the show. Hmm. Now, the thing that got me, I guess, is I liked how it started out. I liked the fact that every time um, Sana was, like, drifting into the, you know, you will be my servant kind of trope, uh, the old <laughs> the old man, Z uh, Zuriko, Zuriko. who had, had no time for that. He would just grab her by the dome and squeeze and say, like, no, that is not how we do things around here. Pay yeah, attention, The story child. of the show is, like, like Zoroku and his, I don't want to call it civilizing influence, but, like, you know, he's basically going to teach this person how to exist in normal society by kind of being old and a little crotchety and gruff, but, like, good at heart. Yeah. Uh, this sounds... That sounds like it could be good. Now, back up one quick bit. So, the the girl who I saw sitting in the picture, she's blonde. So that's Sana, and that's, her power that's Sana. has to do with Alice. Her power is called a dream of Alice because okay. English is a fun language. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's about it. That's about it. Uh, I mean, and her powers are vaguely derived from a place called Wonderland, which is like a weird space where laws of physics don't apply that exists below Tokyo for reasons. Yeah. All right. I'm just going to call it the, the Gate of Babylon from Symphogear. Sure. Here, but uh, go ahead. That sounds okay. good. Treasure sure, of Babylon inside. Yes, but, uh, the Treasure of Babylon. Yeah. The, ba- the basic idea being that she and a small number of other people... Um, mostly children, but uh, some adults as well, can tap into this. And most of them have some kind of theme to their powers. Like, her most common use of it is, like, Earth, teleportation, essentially. fire, wind, water. Actually, oh, thankfully, a little more... Alice! They're a little more unusual than that. Yeah, hers is, like, teleporting. There's a, like, a U.S. Army Marine whose power is summoning her dead husband's gigantic hands to, like, protect her and do things. It's so, wow. like, kind okay. of freaky. Well, arms entirely. Yeah. Arms. The, the entire arm will sort of come out of, like, a phase space and do, and they're huge. Like, they're much bigger than a car or whatever. Okay. So, well, unusual as, as powers. And actually, that leads me to where I kind of fell off the wagon with this one. Because at the beginning, you meet um, Sana, who can, you know, mostly teleport. Uh, I think she does a couple of other weird things, but usually it's... Technically, her powers aren't limited, I don't think. Eh, Like, just because of the way that she's the main character. True. But they restrict her mostly, especially in the beginning, to either teleporting herself, the people she's, like, holding onto, or occasionally other things, like teleporting them to herself. Um, So, that's at least consistent. And there's this pair of twins, uh, one of whom uh, has something to do with, like, a bow and arrow, and another one who can, like, summon anything to do with chains, I think, was the... Yeah, which is yes. cool, because there's, like, a bike yeah. involved, or, like, or like a, throw, like, like a an ship's anchor. anchor and the, yeah, the, like... Those were neat. Then, uh, and even, you know, the, the, the lady with the crazy, like, dead husband spirit arm thing, it's like, okay, this is freaky and weird, but it's consistent. Then another character who showed up in the beginning comes back about midway through and she essentially throws all of the rules that we have established that everyone has like kind of a shtick out the window. And the yeah, moment that silly. the moment that happened, I just I didn't feel invested anymore because it's like, well, nobody can come even close to opposing her. She just runs roughshod over them. And while the fight that she has with um with one of the other characters is like suitably epic, I suppose. It's just she just can pull whatever she wants out of it out of uh thin air, literally. And the thing is she even has that whole thing where she's like, you know, you know, power number XYZ123. Oh my gosh. So she's she's Gilgamesh from Fate Stay Night, basically. Yeah. Like that or uh, like picture um picture what's his name there from Outlaw Star like with his gun that has shells in it and like the lower numbered shells are more powerful spells. I, su- I suppose but even Except that she has all the shells. Except yeah, she also has all the shells and infinite access to them, sure. Like he at least had some limitations. Like there were physical limitations of what he could do. She just like nope. And like the backstory behind that is even si- is even sillier. It's they go into dumb. a th- this whole fight takes place when Sana is essentially being Re, uh, there, the government faction that that had uh, held her in the beginning, that she had escaped from, was trying to recapture her, and they go into like while the show again isn't like terribly violent, that particular sequence just was extremely uncomfortable for me because they went into just a an upsetting amount of detail about the mental and physical distress that this girl was going through, and I don't know why, but it just it conflicted so hard with the otherwise, you know, fairly lightheartedness of the previous episodes, 
that it just, I don't know, it just really bugged me. And that combined with the uh, lady coming out of nowhere and being able to do whatever she wanted just sort of... It, that's what sunk my expectations for the show. But uh, oh, see, you guys... that's too bad. So, like, right after Dan jumped out, uh, things got like very different, I guess. Hmm. Uh, so, what's I think interesting about the show is what episode was that? Like four or five, maybe. Four. So, was in that episode four, four, yeah. four, maybe five. Like, basically, what Dan is describing is the final showdown between the evil organization that held these children and the government. And the government is this crazy lady who can do anything she wants. And like. At the end of the episode, or maybe episode five, like, they're wholly defeated. Uh, Their members are arrested. The organization is shut down completely. And all of the, like, former charges of the hospital basically go into state wardship. Uh, And so, like, Sana kind of moves in with uh, Zoroku and the other girls find other people. But, like, that's the end of the evil organization. They don't ever come back. Like, they're gone. So the show just takes a new tack and runs with that. Which I thought was really different. Like... There's I was no, going to say there's I, no final end boss. Like just I would have one hundred percent expected there to be like some other sinister thing or some kind of double cross going on. Yeah, absolutely. Nope. It sounds like it was setting itself up for a Naruto type of thing where it's like, oh no, but then they were controlled by this organization. I'm looking at you, exactly, and like, <laughs> and like that doesn't happen. And in fact, crazy power lady never like she comes back, but she is never again relevant nor are her powers. Huh. So like that for the was rest the rest of this season. Dan, I think season. you would have dropped out right there after that. Dan would have been like, "What do you mean you set up this woman with whatever she could do and never brought her back?" She's around and she does stuff. She just it like because of the way things have changed, she's not needed anymore. Like her powers are no longer necessary to help anyone. Like they have, yeah, they have a problem that you know can't be forced in the way that she can force things. Hmm. Right. Like the the problem is now how is Sana going to integrate into everyday life? like without being controlled by an organization and she's obviously never had to do a day's work in her life and doesn't really get a lot of stuff. And so Zoroku and her and his family are there to help her out. So like then it kind of turns into slice of life stuff where she learns things. Uh, and then towards the end, there's like a new challenge for Sana to sort of overcome, but it's a different kind of challenge. Like it isn't a combat kind of thing. Huh. Well, so, I mean, color me surprised. Maybe I'll yeah, have to go back and finish The show was a pleasant surprise uh, yeah. from beginning to end. I liked it. Other than that hiccup in the middle, it sounds like it's actually pretty solid. I don't know. Maybe I was just not in the right headspace for it at the time. So maybe I'll have to go back and give that one another go. That was good. Any other words to say on it, Brennan? Um, not particularly. Okay. Well, then uh, you've got two of our recommendations and Dan's uh, quizzical, I guess, concern about it. Hmm. Both of those things. Fair, fair. So let's see. I guess, uh, well, I guess I'll move on to one that I watched. So I watched uh, Shumatsu, Nani, uh, etc., <laughs> this this the, title the, is little... so long, guys. Like, like, if you look it up, it's Suka Suka is what it is shortened to. But just look it up and or just world look, end. look. Yeah, look at that title. Just look. I mean, at I'll try it to read it, but it's not worth it. Like the podcast would be over. Yeah, just uh, don't, don't do it. <laughs> uh, and so, like, I think the short version of this one is like, I came for the floating sky islands, and I stayed for the weaponized souls of dead children. Like, so um. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, okay then. You see, I came for the op- I came for the opening rendition of um, Scarborough Fair, Fair, and then left because I wasn't interested in any harem nonsense. You left because yeah. you didn't get your uh, your spices. That's why you left. Oh, <laughs> but uh, I guess so. Yeah, the premise is like, where's my you... parsley show? Parsley, Scarborough Fair. Scarborough Fair. Oh, man. gotcha. Okay. Oh my gosh, get out of here. 
just what? all right no. tell us about the floating islands Go tell us the floating islands. floating islands man uh so like essentially humanity was wiped out in some giant war long ago the surface of the earth is barren and full of terrible monsters and the survivors are all beast people that live on these floating sky islands okay attack on titan keep going or right, so um, minus the minus the sky islands but or artinelico Yes. Well, yeah, kind of. Yeah, so there's a bunch okay. of and there's all kinds of different islands all over the place that are being Okay, I don't I don't even care force. what you say anymore, Scott. All of the lead characters are fighting from a base which I will only refer to as the Rinkernator. The Rinkernator. So go now. The Rinkernator. All right, so yes, the Rinkernator, which is the main island that everyone lives on. Uh well, not everyone lives on like he so there's this main character who is the only remaining human, like he was found in some cave somewhere frozen and woken up. Uh, so he kind of he he knows what happened to the world, or at least he he was part of the the big final battle type stuff. Uh, but his he's basically been charged with watching over the government's weapons program, and the, so the way they they keep the peace is the monsters will occasionally attack the islands, and they are basically immune to any conventional weaponry. Like it'll somewhat hurt, but not enough. And so they have these fairies or leprechauns, I think they they call them, uh, which are. They're basically the souls of human children too young to understand that they're dead. And they bind them into fairy bodies, and then they grow up a little bit, like enough to be able to do stuff. And then they essentially send them on suicide attacks against the monsters when they attack. Because they can generate enormous magical energy and blow themselves up to destroy the uh, the monsters. That sounds terrible! Say again, Brennan? Is that not a limited resource? Uh, I mean, I assume there's a lot of humans on, or like it's effectively infinite because there's only you know uh, like eight fairies living in the time of the show. So it's not like they have a giant army of these things. I mean, I guess it is eventually finite, uh, but it's not really something they go into. Like the mechanics of how that works are a background detail. The main focus of the story is on this guy, uh, sort of overseeing the fairies, figuring out what their deal is. Like it's obviously a well kept secret that this is what they are. Uh, but then like the second half of the show is actually like a pretty focused romance story between two characters. So sorry, Dan, you're wrong again. There is no harem. It was, yeah, a I ruse. don't know. That show was making some pretty big, like flashing neon signs in that is direction. Is this a so light novel, Scott? It I has light novel almost written don't know. over it. Okay, keep going. I don't, I don't know if it is or not, but, uh, it, it did not turn into a harem. Yes, there are, all the fairies are girls. Uh, but he ends up in a romance with one character specifically, uh, and that's like, that's like the focus of the rest of the show, and it's much better done than I was expecting. Uh, I don't know if it can reach the heights of Suki Gakure there, but uh, I enjoyed watching it. I kind of felt for the two characters. Uh, not huge spoilers, I guess, or some spoilers, but uh, I mean, their love is a tragic love. Mm-hmm. There's a whole variety of reasons why it won't work out, uh, really. And uh, you also get some some background detail on the world. You hear you get more about the main characters, like what 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 happened to him and how he got to where he is. Figured out what went wrong with the world, and it's all really well animated. Hmm. Uh, looks really good. It was a fairly attractive show. I will definitely give it that. For me, it was the it was the moment the character showed up that was describing all of the girls by their respective like harem archetypes. That was where I decided that I was not going to, uh, I was not going to continue. While apparently I was wrong, you can definitely see why I would be, you know, that throws up a bit of a red flag for me. 
Dan was I handed just... the uh, the Prima guide for the for the show, and he was like, "Oh, forget this nonsense." He Pretty read the much. character yeah, description just... and was like, "Well, hell no, I'm out." So, Dan, how far did you make it into this one? Halfway? Like the three last epi- one? N- oh, no, no, three. no, like like three episodes, and I I I like the dude. And a couple of the other characters were at least, you know, pretty interesting. But none of the uh, none of the girls, none of the children that we were following held any interest for me. Like every single one of them was like, I know what your character is and I know what your uh, I know what your plot line is going to be. Or so I thought. Or so you thought. So I, you know, I was wrong on that one. Instead, uh, Dan, like bad. everything, everything ends in blood and tears. Like, uh, well, that I could have told you, but uh, not maybe not quite as uh, maybe not quite as abruptly tragic as I was expecting. Okay, it wasn't abruptly tragic. Like you could certainly see it coming, and you're like, oh <laughs> man, it's gonna be a bad day for everybody. <laughs> so I guess, Scott, besides like morbid curiosity, what would what would you recommend? to people as to why they should watch this show. I mean, because this sounds like it's just going to make you want to jump off a building or something afterwards. Huh. I mean, it doesn't... It, it it does end tragically, but it's not depressing, I guess. Like, it's not wallowing in misery. Like, it's really about these characters... Like, at the by the end of the show, it's really about these characters and their love for each other. Because binding um, the souls of dead children to fairies can be fun for all the family. And the main character does confront, like, there's a guy who's basically in charge of doing that. And, like, he does confront him about that. Like, there's a whole sequence there. I'm actually halfway through the show where they go through that. And uh, the guy's like, you know, we can reclaim the surface if we just make enough of these these weapons. And he's like, no, I refuse. Like, this is ridiculous. What are you even going to get down there? It's just a desert. Like, what's the purpose in reclaiming the surface? So they, they have their, their differences with this guy. Okay. Well, if we kill all the monsters at once, then we never have to do it again, right? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of them down there, but maybe? I guess I guess he doesn't want to play the game of who's going to run out first, monsters or dead souls of children. Like, it's not a good game to play. That's fair. So, huh. I don't know. I, I guess I would recommend it for the uh, the uh, the tragic romance angle. Okay. Which is All really right. which is really what it ends up being focused on in the end. And you know what? Some pretty sweet action scenes. Like you can be in it for that too. Okay. Those are all like the, fair the combat the combat looks cool. Or like, like sort of uh uncovering the mystery of what happened to Earth is a is a interesting one too. So there's there's three elements that I think are good. That did seem to be the more interesting subplot. Right. So uh surprising and uh better romance than I was expecting. Or maybe even I was expected to have it all, because it did look a little harem at the beginning. Good, good. Well, all right. Well, man, this is a lot of interesting stuff and a lot of varied stuff we've we've been covering here. Uh, so before I guess we get to who's next, if, if that's what you're asking, Scott, we're pretty much out of time for uh, part one here. So everyone's just gonna have to wait because I think I'm going next, and they're just they're just gonna have to wait till part two to see what else we were following in the spring season. So guys, uh, thanks for listening. We're back. We're actually gonna be picking a new show to. I mean, uh, we're going to be picking back up for bi-weeklies all through the summer, and uh, we should be continuing from there. So, catch you in part two. This is a podcast by the Con Artists. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes or your Android podcast app of choice. For more anime and game-related content, please visit us online at theconartistsblog.com. Thanks for listening.